For the readings at Sunday Mass, we're on a a three-year rotation, a three-year cycle. And so we kind of go through in this kind of rotation of getting through a ton of different readings. But one of the, I don't know if you want to call it a tragedy, that might be a little too strong, is that the greatest story that Jesus ever tells only shows up once every three years. Even that, sometimes it can, get, it can get bumped out of the way. And of course, the greatest story, and this is opinion, that, that Jesus tells is the story of the prodigal son. And you probably all know the story of the prodigal son, but it's, it's just a powerful story. And it starts with this man who has two sons, right? This guy has two sons, and his younger son comes up to him and says, hey, dad, I want my share of the inheritance, which is basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Could I have the stuff, right? Could I have whatever it is that eventually would be coming to me? And instead of his dad just kind of like backhanding him and writing him out of the will, his dad actually goes and he gathers all the stuff. And he says, okay. And he gives his son his stuff. And you got to be thinking, the dad in his head knows like, there's no way this ends well, right? There is no way when I give, however old he is, what is he, maybe 23 years old? I don't know. But that's how old I would have been if I would have done something like this. And he goes and he, he, he wastes everything. And Jesus, as he's telling the story, says he wastes it all on uh, loose living, basically. He's just spending it in terrible ways. And eventually this son, um, he's living in a pigsty, right? And he wishes that he could eat the food that the pigs are eating. He wants the hog food. And he says, hmm. How much better do my father's slaves have it? How much better do his servants have it? And so he remembers his dad's house and he gets up, he turns his life around and goes back to his dad and he's got, he's got his apology ready to go. He knows what he's going to say. And so he gets back and he lays his apology out. Just treat me as you would one of your hired servants. And his dad says, no, you're, you're my son. So he puts sandals on his feet, puts a ring on his finger, his robe on him. And then there's a great celebration. And one of the things that strikes us so much about a story like this is we love hearing stories about somebody whose life turns around. If you have somebody who you you hear their story and maybe they were addicted to something and then they get some freedom and they come back and their life was just in the pits, but now they start their own small business and it's doing well and they reunite with their high school sweetheart and they start a family. Like we love hearing stories about somebody whose life is in the pits and then it changes because it gives us hope and we see the potential for transformation. It's just incredible. And so we have this story of the young son who's prodigal. Prodigal just means that he's wasteful. So there's this wasteful son. But what makes the story incredible and absolutely brilliant is that there's a second son. And the second son is the one who's working the whole time, who's diligent, who's hardworking, who's he's responsible. And when his younger brother comes back and they throw the party, though, you see his heart. Because he doesn't go into the party, he sits outside and he sulks and he's a bit arrogant and he's a bit prideful. And his dad comes out to meet him and says, hey, come to the party. He goes, no, this son, he wasted everything you gave him, dad. And what are you going to do now? I've been here working so hard and you haven't done anything for me. And his dad invites him back in to the party. And we see these two incredible figures of the one who's young and restless, and the one, as he gets older, becomes a bit bitter, resentful, and prideful. And it's so brilliant because I think we all notice that, but I notice in my own life 
The older I get, the more a temptation it is to get bitter, to get resentful, and to just get a little bit hard-hearted. And in this, we, we have this first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah is preparing the people to receive the king. The king is coming. So he says, make the highway for the king to come. I think if we had a really important person, right? If, if the pope was coming to Botkins, we'd want to make sure that the roads were in order, right? We'd fill in all the potholes if everything wasn't, wasn't in perfect order. Now, the roads look great. If you're on city council, that's not a public thing, you know? Because, I mean, 25A is phenomenal now. Anyways, and Isaiah, as he, as he says this, though, he says, let the valleys rise up and the hills brought down. So the low places need to be raised up to receive the king, and the high places need to be brought down. And these are the two brothers, right? The one who's low, right? The one who's living in the pigsty, whose life is bottomed out, needs to be brought up, right? To realize who he is, that he's not a slave, that he's not meant for the pigsty, but he's a son. And the one who's on his high horse, who's prideful, who's arrogant, he needs to be brought down low. Both of them need to change to receive the king, to receive their father's mercy when he comes. And so there's this great image of the valley being filled in and the mountain, the hill being brought down low. And how do we do that? But turning around just as the older son or the younger son did. Who knows if the older son actually showed up to the party? And in that we're given this incredible figure of John the Baptist who's the one now that comes onto the scene to prepare the way for the Lord. John the Baptist is now the one who's sounding the alarm, basically, to say, the king is coming, change your life to receive him. And he says, make straight these paths of the Lord. And he preaches a baptism of repentance to turn around, whether we find ourselves kind of like the younger son that's a bit reckless or maybe wasted what the Lord's given, Or maybe if we're a bit like the older son and we kind of get a little prideful, we get a little arrogant or a little bit of a bitter heart. But for both and for all of us, the call is to turn our lives around so that we can receive the king when he comes. And this whole path of of turning around, this whole path of conversion is what repentance is all about. And it's a little bit of a different message than last Sunday in the readings for Advent. Last Sunday, the Advent readings were sit, wait, be patient. The Lord is coming. Don't be in a hurry. And John the Baptist now comes like a wild man on the scene to say, no, no, no. Now's the time to move. Now's the time to turn our lives around. Don't just sit around and wait for something to happen, but return to the Lord. Come back to him. And one of the ways that we do that practically in our life on a regular basis is to come back to the Lord through the sacrament of reconciliation. And so this Tuesday here at Immaculate Conception, we have another day of grace. From 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., the sacrament of reconciliation will be offered. And so that's this very uh, practical opportunity to return, to turn around, to recognize if we're the younger son or the older son, to come back to the Lord's mercy. And that gets to the heart of why we do this. Why do we repent? Why do we turn around? And you think about the younger son or the older son. Why do they come back to the Lord's mercy? And it's not just because, well, that's what you should do. And if you're going to be a good Catholic boy or girl, that's what we do. Or it's not just to fear the beating, right? Or to fear the judgment or whatever it may be. 
John the Baptist gives the first clue as to why do we turn our lives around. John the Baptist says, one mightier than I is coming after me. Mightier, not like in stronger, right? Or he can give the real good beat down, but it's one mightier in his mercy, one stronger in the love that he can offer, one stronger to defeat the enemies of sin that exist in our life, one mightier is coming after him. And in the story of the prodigal son, why do, you, why do they come back? Why do they convert? Because of the father. That story of the prodigal son, the real star, the real center of that story is neither of the sons. It's dad. It's dad who runs out to meet his son on his way back. And the word prodigal, like I said, means wasteful. Who's the wasteful one in that story? It's the father. The father wastes half of his stuff on his son who abandons him. And then when his older son is outside sulking, he wastes his time to go say, son, come back. Come back to my house. Everything I have is yours. And so what's our motivation for repentance? What's our motivation to come back, to return to the Lord? It's the goodness of the father. It's the goodness of the Father who waits for us, who the one who's mightier, who comes back to receive us with love, with mercy, to restore our lives. And that's the sort of preparation we do this Advent season. We turn back, whether we're in the valley of wastefulness or we're on our high horse on the hill of pride. Both of them, we come back to the Father. We come back because one mightier is coming. The Lord comes to meet us this Advent season, and will we imitate both these sons in recognizing our own shortcomings and returning to the Father? May this Advent season be one where we encounter his mercy, his love, and ultimately of the goodness of a Father who runs to meet us.